Is heat culture too much for Raptors Twitter to handle? Iman Adan joins me to talk about Kyle Lowry's growth in Miami next. You are locked on heat. Your daily Miami heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, the longest-running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and follow to get the best coverage available. She's the host of the Morning Tip-Off and a co-host of the Dishes and Dimes podcast, as well as a contributor to basketballnews.com. It's a first-time guest to the show, Iman Adan. How's everything going, Iman? Good, good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, looking forward to talking to you. I, I think I had been following you for a while, but I didn't. I don't think I fully appreciated your unique perspective until you began relentlessly ripping Bucks fans during their playoff run, and that uh, that just endeared me to you even more. So I think <laughs> I'm glad that Raptor fans and Heat fans could just bond over Bucks slander. Yeah, I, I think that's part of uh, the fun of basketball Twitter in general. Uh, you know, I, I went through some issues with Bucks Twitter, uh, not realizing, of course, that they're in Milwaukee. They thought they had something to brag about. And sure, they wound up getting the championship, but no big deal. We're, we're, we're two representatives of two franchises that have won championships, so it's not that big a deal. I know it's their first one in five decades, but hey. Um, in any case, we're here to talk about, of course, Kyle Lowry. Uh, I know even, even today, unprompted, you are sending out tweets about how much you miss Kyle Lowry. What What is it about Kyle that you just appreciate so much? Honestly, everything. Where do we even begin? Um, Kyle Lowry, <laughs> I don't even know how to begin to answer a question like that. He's okay. been everything to this franchise, in all honesty. like In terms of where the Raptors were before getting Kyle Lowry, which basically the Sacramento Kings of the Eastern Conference, just an absolute <laughs> joke of a franchise. Um, terribly mismanaged, missed the playoffs like six years straight, I think at that point. Um, could not, like, like, I know that he fans and Raptors, like I think those teams have a lot of history, of course, with the Chris Bosh um, yep. and even like Alonzo Mourning and just a bunch of stuff there, but can't even blame Chris Bosh. It was a terribly mismanaged team um, and a complete just laughing stock. And then Kyle comes and from 2015, I want to say, through or 2014, mm -hmm. um, through to 2020, they had the best record in the league, which is something that I don't think a lot of people truly appreciate or understand. Like the best record in the league during that time span. Of course, that factors into the fact that like <laughs> the, the Golden State Warriors collapsed in that final year. And that's why we're we're tacking on 2020 um, in there. But but that's still like a a huge deal I think when you're talking about a franchise that has been as misrun as the Toronto Raptors and a lot of that if not most of that falls on Kyle Lowry's shoulders yeah uh, it's always fun getting that kind of perspective I talked to Katie Heinel uh, and I've talked to Sean Woodley about it and and both of them I think like most Raptors fans they, you just can't stop talking about everything that Kyle brings to the table how he connects with everybody in the locker room how he reaches out to the veterans how he reaches out to the young guys and helps prop them up that if there's anything to look forward to this season, it's the fact that the culture is already kind of firmly in place, even if he's not actually going to be there to help carry it forward. And that's that's part of his legacy, if anything else. Sure, there's a championship is always a very nice touch, but the fact that he's helped create a culture. How, how much of, well, I, I'm curious about this, because even as I'm talking about it, I know a lot of credit goes to DeMar, and, and rightfully so. How much of that goes to Kyle, in your opinion? How much of that goes to DeMar? Do they both share in the creation of Raptors culture? Yeah, I would say it's it's 
on like I would say that it's almost a 50-50 split at least off the court like Kyle is a very prickly guy yes (laughs) yes he he has refused to do media in Miami quote unquote Uh I didn't come here to do media (laughs) that is a very Kyle Lowry quote he's a very prickly guy like even in Damar and Kyle's first year here they didn't talk to each other um and I have to imagine that's not because of Damar DeRozan but entirely because of Kyle Lowry so when we talk about like the camaraderie in the locker room and all that other stuff I do have to credit a lot of that to Damar DeRozan even getting Kyle Lowry to buy in to what the Raptors are doing I credit a lot of that to Damar DeRozan um but on the court this team plays the way that Kyle Lowry plays like as someone who has been hurt Kyle is gone um I have completely understood it from a Raptors perspective I was one of the few fans being like the team actually needs to move away from Kyle Lowry because they're never we're never going to see what we have it's not a Udonis Haslam situation he's not just standing in the back if he's on the team whoa 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 already what is that (laughs) come on if he's like there's there's one thing to have a veteran presence there's one thing to have a staple on your team but if Kyle Lowry regardless of how many minutes he plays a night Kyle Lowry is on this team we truly don't know what we have with the younger guys because every iteration of this Raptors team will look like Kyle Lowry as long as he is part of the roster so it kind of made sense that he had to leave so in terms of culture on the court I would say the vast majority of that is is Kyle Lowry I I like the the connection there between the sirens and the background even as you're launching (laughs) shots across the bow here against Udonis Haslam poor UD I mean come on that's like I've had that comparison talk with with Katie that man has so much job security I want to have that I need to know what he's doing there well, you know, I, I'll talk about this with you since you're you know, not largely familiar. I've talked to UD about it. And the thing that he always brings up is like, yes, on the surface, everybody expects that he can't play because he's 41 now and he's older, et cetera. He can still play. He still does play at a high level. He, he talks about it, that he plays one-on-one with Jimmy. He beats him sometimes. Sometimes Jimmy wins, as you would expect from one of the best players in the NBA. At the same time, he's also there to help under, you know, help teach younger guys the same way Kyle did in Toronto to help them understand their roles, to help them develop, to help them fulfill their potential and to help them get paid. Like that's something that you can really appreciate as a young player is that this guy is going to teach me how to lean into whatever my strengths are, how to make up for my weaknesses, how to improve my overall game so that I can go and get that second contract so I can go and get paid. So I think that's where UD has incredible off the court value. I appreciate that. But like at the same time, when Jamal McGlure retired from the Raptors, oh. they just hired him. Former Heat legend Jamal him. McGlure? Uh, come on. <laughs> they just hired him as an assistant coach to do all of those same things that you just named without taking a roster spot. I'm just saying. Oh, wow. Wow. You're I'm just up saying. That was a big cat, right? I can't believe that. You're cat, just, yeah. yeah, I cannot believe that. <laughs> oh, he's from Toronto too, isn't he? He is. He is. He's okay. from Toronto. All right. Is he still an assistant coach or no? Uh, he, he was last season. I believe he's still there this season. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I mean, it's, it's weird. And not having to not do covered... exactly the same things. You just listed that you've done. Oh, oh wow. All right. No okay. roster spot taken. No roster spot taken. You know, I I'll, I'll say this too, though. I, you know, now you're pressing my buttons. It's not supposed to work that way. <laughs> I, I feel like you de- I at had least to for... come prepared. I knew we were talking about Lowry. I had to come prepared with some shots. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, with UD, there's a difference, a separation between coach versus player. Like he's a guy who's in the locker room. He can hear all the kind of anti-boss talk that comes from players against coaches and stuff like that, where he's still on the other side of the fence 
uh, when it comes to, you know, the coach versus player kind of thing. So maybe it's a little different. I don't know. Maybe, maybe things are different in Toronto. Maybe, uh, maybe McGlore could fit in there and nobody really noticed. But anyway, uh, as far as Kyle is concerned, Heat fans have already grown very appreciative of everything he can bring. Certainly, you know, despite his prickly nature, has brought a lot of fun and energy to his on the court style. I know a lot of Heat fans have joked about it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But uh, I think certainly Heat culture is reflecting very well on Kyle. Wouldn't you agree? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Here's what I'll say I love a good troll online. I do it. Like you said, we bonded over that, over just trolling the Bucks fans who are so right. easy. They're so easy to troll. But another fan base that's very easy to troll the Toronto Raptors. Um, <laughs> and the I've amount noticed. of tweets. I, I get such a kick out of it. I get such a kick out of the tweets where people just get so upset. He's been doing this for seven years. And it's like, well, like, okay, he's a six time all-star. I think they know that guys, but um, it's, it's great. Um, I, I appreciate a good troll job and you guys have been doing a phenomenal job of it. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. But we, I do want to talk a little bit more about heat culture. We'll save that for the next segment. I'm here with Iman <laughs> Adan and you're listening to Locked on Heat. Let me tell you a little bit about great product called Sweat Block. It's doctor-created, doctor-recommended, works for up to seven days per use with their dry shirt guarantee. If you or somebody you know wants to deal with a little bit overactive perspiration, then let me tell you, Sweat Block is exactly what you've been looking for. They're a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, of over 13,000 reviews, currently number one in Amazon's anti-perspirant category. They're manufactured right here in the USA. I've got a friend who's been using it lately. It's been a life changer for him. No more changing shirts in the middle of the day. No more wondering whether or not somebody's judging him or worrying about whether or not somebody might be looking at you differently. Now it's just renewed confidence and getting on with your daily life, not having to stop and do things differently because Sweatblock is the right product for you. You can find it on Amazon.com. You can find it on CVS or you could go to Sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Again, you can find it on Amazon, CVS, or at sweatblock.com, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. So we're back from the break, and we were talking about heat culture. You had some some spicy tweets there over the last couple of weeks. Again, it's a, it's a lot of fun, a lot of trolling, a lot of Twitter. You know, that's just what the nature of that particular beast. But what is your perspective on what heat culture is. Okay. I don't quite understand all of it. Here, <laughs> let me, <laughs> because I, you know, I, I enjoy heat Twitter. I, I, you know, I enjoy all of the personalities there, all of the media members there. I think you guys do a really great job. Um, so I, I do have a lot, my, a lot of my timeline is, is heat Twitter. And I see the hashtag justice better. And I know that it's really tongue in cheek. I get it. Yeah. I like it. It's funny. I see heat culture and I think it's the same thing. I think it's tongue in cheek. I think we all get that it's kind of funny. Like these 29 other teams don't just not have culture. They're not like, it's not like 29 other teams are just like flailing. There's there's some that are the Sacramento Kings and Minnesota Timberwolves. There's certainly franchises that are, but ones that have like consistently been great over the last decade, consistently produced winning teams. Uh, over the last decade, something that this might kill me, but like the, the Heat haven't consistently done over the last decade. But these Whoa. other franchises have. I'm just saying, um, these other franchises have, and this idea that still somehow the Heat culture is better than that. It's just like 
guys, you know that this is a joke, right? <laughs> like we understand that this is a joke. Like it's one thing to also, it's one thing to get the James Johnsons and the Dion waiters and all these other guys um, to take basketball seriously for a bit of time in their life. <laughs> but like six time all-stars, <laughs> like actual professionals that have won championships that have made all NBA teams. <laughs> like, I don't think they're waiting for Pat Riley to tell them to hit the treadmill. Like, I don't think that that's what's happening. Um, and I assumed that he Twitter also was saying it tongue in cheek and didn't assume yeah. that that was happening. But the more that I like read into these tweets and the more that I dug, I found out that no, no, this is like yeah. a real thing that they're waiting for this 35 year old to finally be taught how to play basketball the right way and eat a salad uh, and not whatever else. And I don't know. It's just, it was crazy to me to find that out. So I, I will say, I think maybe as much as 90% of heat fans actually do believe the heat culture can be a transformative process for a lot of players. And, and so I think the assumption and an erroneous one was that Kyle was out of shape. And because he's a little, I mean, he's what plumper, I guess, than your average he's, NBA player, yeah. but that's not, that's not even really he's the case. He's, he's short. He's stocky. I think he's just built away. I, I mean, I've been in enough locker rooms. Tell you. Yeah. I, I've been you're in enough locker like rooms. That. What's that? I said, you're going to like that. Watch and like, watch a power forward trying to like get him down on the low post and try to actually back him down. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. But I, as far as like Kyle and his like being out of shape and the theory that might be, you know, like he culture can save him. Like I've been in enough locker rooms. I remember even my first locker room was in the Oklahoma City Thunder years ago. And I remember seeing Kendrick Perkins there. And that was when everybody was calling Perk fat. Not, not the version of Perk that we see on ESPN talking shit now, but rather the Perk that was a player during the, his days in the Thunder when they were going against the, the Heat in the finals and thinking, man, Perkin, Perkins is not fat at all. And I know that no NBA player is fat, maybe slightly softer, but even in Kyle's case, clearly he's in great shape. And it's not like he was coming here. I guess the thought process was that Heat fans were going to get him to, you know, lose some weight, maybe tighten up a little bit, just like James Johnson to just like Deion Waiters at the names that you mentioned before. But it's not like it's not like he really needed it. One and two, I think he, as you pointed out, he's pretty familiar with what it takes for him to get in good shape, how to thrive at this level. He doesn't exactly need heat culture to save him, but to, to what we were discussing before, absolutely. Like heat fans love the idea that there's heat culture here, that it'll come and save your soul, that if you can come to this team, it'll take you to a whole other level. I will say from the media perspective, at least my understanding of it after years of hearing it, I know it's cliche. I know it's just a branding process here. There is some stability in this organization that does not exist in other organizations. I've covered other teams. I know how it works. You get a new coach every other year. You get a new front office. None of that exists in Miami. I mean, you've had stability in Toronto for a long time now, but as you pointed out before, not to the same point. I mean, I, you've had more success perhaps on the court than Miami has, but as far as the stability of what Miami brings, like Pat Riley and this front office has been so in place for 25 years plus now and it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon the fact that there are there have been three coaches during that time span you know there was stan van yeah. gundy for two seasons there was pat riley before that and there's been eric spolster for the last 13 seasons so it's it's a lot of the stability the accountability is a lot of what people talk mm -hmm. about you heard jimmy say that a lot during his first couple seasons here i think i, I wonder how Kyle will respond to it. Maybe he won't even fan those flames. I have no idea how he's going to respond, but uh, it should be interesting to see how 
uh, how he responds to quote unquote heat culture. I, again, I, I don't think much of it, but I know I that you'll some- find it funny. Yeah. And I, I will say Kyle was someone who was pumped. Like he was someone who went through a major, we had that skinny Kyle Lowry year in 2016, where he dropped a ton of weight. He was carrying weight in 2014, 2015. Um, and he was still playing at an all-star level, um, but his body broke down. He wasn't able to maintain that play into March and April. And so he changed his diet entirely, lost a ton of weight and then actually started to make all-star teams. Um, so he's done that. That's it, been a part of his story. That's been a part of his journey. He hasn't, he did wait a little bit, but but he's there already, guys. You guys have the, the fully realized version of Kyle Lowry. Absolutely. So are you, are, you look, are you looking forward to watching Miami this year? I am. I actually am. Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players. Um, and Kyle Lowry is, of course, my favorite player. So to see them together, I think is going to be really exciting. Also seeing kind of Bam as well. Um, I, I have a lot of questions just about the bench depth um, okay. and also that point guard depth. Like now I know that it's not just Kyle that's going to be handling the ball. I have to imagine that Jimmy's going to be doing it quite a bit, yep. um, especially because he can't shoot. And that's something that the Raptors. Whoa, saw whoa! I thought he was one of your favorite players. He is, on. He's one of my. He is one of my favorite players. He is one of my favorite players. Uh, but as someone who's watched Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan, the reason that we see Demar become this playmaker that he is is because he he needed to <laughs> um teams treated him like he was tony allen in the playoffs because he could not space the floor and couldn't shoot um and so if the ball was in kyle's hands everyone just ignored demar Derozan on offense and it really did hurt the raptors year in and year out in the playoffs um and so we saw a shift where the ball was put into demar Derozan's hands and kyle lowry who's a phenomenal shooter can play off ball so well and also moves off ball so well um so i, I think we're gonna see kind of a mix of that and we know that bam as well, but I'm just like, you're probably going to play those three, I have to imagine, or some combination of those three so much. I, I like, okay, my question to you is, how often are you going to see a non-BAM Jimmy or Kyle, like a, a lineup without one of those three players? Because I really do wonder what happens just because you guys do have a lack of maybe point guards, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. just I me think, looking at it from an outsider. No, no, I think the, the ball handling falls on Gabe Vincent to some degree. I think it's going to fall on Tyler Hero, who I'm sure you'll want to talk about too. Sean Woodley, not a fan of Tyler Hero. I'm not sure. When when the talks first cropped up last year about Tyler Hero being shipped to Toronto in exchange for Kyle, I think he referred to him as one of the most, if not the most punchable face in the NBA. So uh, it should be interesting. I'm, I'm sure you're glad that you wind up with Goran Dragic and uh, Precious He said Atua. that over Duncan? Yeah. I'm kidding. What? Wow. Wow. wow Duncan, <laughs> Dun wait, Duncan Robinson has a punchable face like this is the kid referred to as Jimmy Neutron. I yeah, he does. And I'll say and it's kind of, you know, as a fan of an opposing team when he hits his like six three in your face when you see that dribble handoff and it gets yeah. to Duncan yeah. one more time and he hits it. There's nothing that you want to do more than just punch him. In the fair face. enough. Fair enough. That you, you, you dislike his skill set. Yeah. As far as the ball handling, though. Yeah, I think we'll see. The bench unit's going to be a little problematic. Uh, Tyler can handle the ball. He's mostly looking to get his shot going. Of course, he can make plays for others, but I think that's the the bulk of the ball handling. We'll probably see a lot of staggered rotations with Kyle and Jimmy. I think uh, Jimmy will probably go out first, and then Kyle will handle it with Bam on the floor. Then Bam will come out, and, and Kyle will come out, and we'll see Jimmy Butler running it with Tyler and Dwayne Dedman, something like that. We haven't seen it because they haven't played much this preseason. And in four games so far, it looks like they've only played in one game, all three of them. And it doesn't look like they're going to be playing the next two games either. So I have no idea how it's going to shake out. We'll find out next Thursday when they take on the Milwaukee Bucks. It's going to be 
a really interesting series. I have some concerns, not that big. I kind of blow up a little bit here for the sake of the podcast, because just to voice the the you know kind of as a devil's advocate that maybe this team won't be as great as everybody expected to be. But I really am a believer in what Kyle brings. I've been a longtime fan of his. I know he's a fantastic player. And I think he's he's going to fit in here seamlessly. Like, I mean, yes, you can have concerns about his age, about his, you know, contract and things of that sort. But the reality is that on the court, he's going to be a phenomenal player because he just does so much that Miami needs. Like, he provides this defensive presence. He provides this long-range shooting as a ball handler. He's just fantastic, and he creates plays for others. We've seen him push the pace so electrically this preseason that I'm just looking forward to seeing this team in its entirety, seeing how he plays alongside Jimmy and Bam, seeing them just beat other opponents and, and wondering whether or not it's going to be sustainable for a full 82 game season. Cause I do have injury concerns. I know that a lot of last year yeah. when, when Kyle was shut down, it was mostly because, well, the Raptors weren't going anywhere. It was a lost season being played and now I've got a helicopter flying over my head. So apparently, apparently <laughs> Raptors Twitter is coming for me now, but uh, so yeah, it was, it was a lost season and I understand that it was, you know, not worth playing him at this point in his career for no reason whatsoever. You weren't going to get anything out of it. And so why not shut him down, especially if he's heavily in, engaged in, in trade talks, which before I continue, how concerned or upset were you at the possibility of trading him last offseason? Were you, is it easier to deal with him leaving in free agency versus what would have happened if he, if he had been traded last, last year? Um, Honestly, no, I, I, as a diehard Kyle Lowry fan, probably the biggest Kyle Lowry fan ever. I made my peace with it probably the season before that. Because I knew, like I said, yeah, I I knew that it was coming. Um, The team was very much built for 2021 to kind of be the the blow it up year. Um, An honest pursuit. Yeah, same here. Same yeah, exactly. The Heat and the Raptors built it in the same way. So it's no surprise that like Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Norman Powell, three biggest contracts on the Raptors books all came off this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were very much sort of building up to this. So I already knew that that was um, what was happening. And like I said, I don't think that we would have really seen this next iteration of what this team could be, um, meaning the Raptors, until Kyle Lowry was gone. Um, and I just wanted to get him on a team that could really contend for a championship because I think that he still has a lot of really good years left in him I do have some injury concerns with the heat um, especially because I that's why I sort of brought up the depth because although Kyle Lowry is great he is still 35 years old um, and like if you're gonna have to rely on him for what 36 minutes a night I think that might be too much 30 minutes okay yeah. like I don't know how many minutes he he truly plays and, and what type of role he has I think that having Jimmy there who's another ball handler and allows Kyle to play off ball will definitely help which is why I brought that up but um I do I do worry about the load that Miami might put on him because they don't have a Goran Dragic still there right um so not not yet anyway he'll be back next year (laughs) hey take him um oh oh, oh, oh. (laughs) all right let's say let's say this let's say this because I want to talk about the dragon in the next segment so uh we'll we'll catch up on our former heat players now thriving in Toronto you're listening to Locked on Heat We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, 
Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. Reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review. I'm here with Iman Adan, and we're talking about Miami, their evolution now with Kyle Lowry in the fold. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about some former Heat players that are now north of the border over in Toronto. Of course, we're talking about Goran Dragic and that other guy, Precious Achua, who I know a lot of Raptors fans are very excited about for whatever reason. But you don't seem to like Goran very much. What is it about Goran that you dislike? Can we just like reintroduce that as Precious Achua and that other guy, Goran Dragic? Is that how? No. Oh, that's how Raptor fans see it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I know. Um... I know. This is this is going to be an interesting thing to see because like I, I went on Sean's show and we talked about Precious and what he could contribute and things of that sort. And I was like, what can he contribute? Not a whole hell of a lot. Like, like the guy had no <laughs> hands whatsoever as a rookie. No. Like there were moments there where he was absolutely lost. And, and I just like, I didn't have high expectations. And yes, you want to give a young player a chance to develop and everything else like that. But he, he looked pretty shaky as a rookie. And now we're seeing so many highlights. And I'm not sure what to believe because it's the preseason. So everything has to be taken. That's Raptors culture, asshole. baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. You flipped it pretty quickly there. Uh, what, well, what do you like about Precious then? Let's let's start with that before we go into Goron talk. Honestly, I am, have been pleasantly surprised by Precious because I he still doesn't have a lot of touch around the rim, mm-hmm. but he's taking these middies that I just didn't know that he had. Threes, he still looks even. a little... And, and that's, that's the next thing that I was going to say. He's even taking some threes. Um, and, and so just like his ability to do that, his scoring is something that I truly believe we were going to get a completely raw prospect, which the Raptors do not shy away from. Of course, Pascal Siakam, 27th pick, Fred Van Vliet undrafted, Terrence Davis undrafted, all these guys that the Raptors have had um, success with, not that dissimilar from, from heat culture and what the heat do over there. And I know that for Precious, last season was very weird because you don't get the summer league you don't get the you know like it's not all the same thing but this year he he will finally have you know a g league stay i think he's going to be with the 905 quite a bit and honestly like i i have to imagine he's going to be playing some with the 905 the raptors put like that that was siakam that was norman powell that was trevin blade i think probably the only people that will jump past that will have to be scotty barnes and og ananobi because they're going to be required for this rotation um so i have to imagine that he's going to be seeing some time there um because the raptors force everyone into into their nine to five system that's how they get that's how they turn into the all-stars and i think with the voice of maybe pascal siakam and Fred Lee being like hey look you know pascal's like i was an all i'm an all-star right. and i started out there i think that that might kind of ease it a little bit for Precious, but I have to imagine he's going to be seeing some time there. And just looking at him, the Raptors, I don't know if you guys know this, have like an entire team of six, nine guys. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of size in that roster. team 
<laughs> it's a lot of size, but also no seven footer. <laughs> so there's no size either. Well, there's always you Aaron Baines, have... right? Isn't he available still? No, he's gone. He's gone and he will well, never I, I'm come kidding. to Canada. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. Is he available? He I think he's banned. A... <laughs> we, we left him in Florida. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, we left Tampa and Baines together. It's never going to happen. But um, the Raptors don't have any seven footer, but have just a bunch of six, nine guys that are kind right. of like Swiss army knives. Yeah. Um, and I think they want precious to kind of fit in that same mold. He still kind of looks a little bit lost with the ball in his hands. Um, but I can see that developing because Siakam was lost with the ball in his hands once upon a time. Um, so he just, he's, he's still raw, but he is a lot further along than I thought he would be um, just from watching clips and talking to heat people. Yeah, that's that's an interesting comparison there. And as far as the the G League, not looking at it as a demotion or anything, but just like kind of an opportunity for you to get some experience and play and, and learn. Right? Yeah, get some yeah. reps. Yeah. And from Miami's perspective, that's their intention as well. But then they send you over to South Falls, South Dakota, or Sioux Falls, South Dakota, so that there's nothing else there but for you to stay whatever crappy holiday in is near the arena and focus How exclusively far is south dakota from miami <laughs> it's it might as well be another world away from all the difference it is between <laughs> that, like as a canadian it seems pretty far to yeah, me yeah. like our league team is 30 south minutes beach, away <laughs> south beach and south dakota are completely different worlds away so it's <laughs> they want you to go there and just like eat breathe and sleep uh basketball at one point in time this is uh, the side here at one point in time they had uniforms that look like corn on the cob. I guess a, oh a sponsor of the team, like was a, a corn farmer or something like that. Classic, classic Sioux Falls Sky for uniform there. But uh, yeah, it's good to see. I, I mean, look, I I never had any particular problems with Precious. Uh, I didn't know exactly what his fit was going to be. And again, there wasn't a lot of chance or opportunity for him to show what his skill set was. We started to see. You know, little bits of it here and there during the U.S. Olymp. I'm sorry, during the uh, Olympic play uh, when he was representing mm -hmm. Nigeria, of course. And we're thinking to ourselves, oh, you know, there's an opportunity for him maybe to to grow as a player in Miami. And then, of course, the, the trade works out and uh, never quite that. That was uh, kind of like a Miami summer league team, the yeah. Nigerian team. <laughs> yeah, three players on that roster: uh, KZ Okpala, who is tell another us you want tell us you want Giannis without telling us you want Giannis, Pat Riley. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, uh, well, Okpala is, is right there, the same place that Precious is. Like, Okpala just has not been able to mm -hmm. show any kind of evolution whatsoever in two seasons already. And, I mean, they've been very challenging seasons. Not that I need to tell you that, but uh, they've been very difficult. And I don't know. I don't know what's next for him. Maybe he needs to go to Toronto for a taste of that Raptors culture, too. Come come over. Masai, Masai loves Nigerians. Um, um. But yeah, no, I, I'm excited for him. I'm actually like pleasantly surprised with what I've seen in the preseason. All right. So let's uh, let's shift a little bit. Uh, Goran Dragic. I've been trying. I, like I sold him on to Sean. Katie was kind of lukewarm about him, but I, I'm. <laughs> it's pretty clear that she's not a, a fan either. Did he hurt you guys in the past? Was there something in particular that he did that maybe has uh, just alienated the possibility of you liking him? Uh, honestly, no. I mean, Raptor fans will point to um, 
the comments he made after after leaving um, sure, sure. <laughs> Miami. But and here's what I'll say. I do think Raptor fans are going to take him really quickly. I think Goran's the type of player that Raptor fans will really love. Uh, right now, he's playing. He's, he hasn't had a, a really great start, I think, to the preseason. But that's because he's playing with the lineup that he really shouldn't be playing with. I think he's just going to come off the bench um, and really be the, the veteran leadership and just – add a little bit to the playmaking we're gonna have Malachi Flynn as the bench point guard of course but just I think the Raptors are gonna play a lot of just all bench lineups and we're gonna yeah. see Goran as kind of the head of a lot of that yeah. and I think his ability to get to the rim and even if he's a little bit Whoa. older um is that yeah. not gonna be a thing uh, getting Can we to get the that rim? like once every five days every five uh, games yeah that, that's about right I mean I feel once like every that's five- that, that's the like CJ Miles role. I mean, CJ Miles didn't get to the rim, but it's just like once every five days, you're going to get a good game from your veteran off the bench. Yeah, he, he doesn't have that explosive burst anymore. Like, I mean, we, we saw it in the bubble. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Not yeah, last well, year, though. No, I mean, less and less. And I think we're just going to start to see more and more of that. I, Here's I mean, what I'll say, though. To, okay. to Goron's credit, last season was kind of brutal for the Heat. Sure. Um, especially with the just the shortest off season of all time, minus yep. the one day from the Lakers. Um, so it was a brutal stretch for him. He obviously didn't have his legs under him. I think with an extended or a normal off season, it's still not still not normal, but a longer off season this year. Um, and he won't be playing. He won't be relied upon as much because, of course, there was all your roster was in flux with COVID and all sorts of things just hitting it. And I think this year we're going to get a little bit more normalcy. I hope to imagine that that means that Goron's going to be playing a little bit better. And also he's playing the leave. Right, like he's yeah. probably going to want to showcase himself so that he can go to Dallas or wherever else. And I think the Raptors want that for him as well. So I think fans are probably going to take to him, hopefully sooner um, than than later, because it's it's not fun when someone hates someone on the team. Is he going to get booed? I don't think he's going to be booed. I don't think he's going to be booed. If he had said what he'd said like a week before the season began, yeah. he probably would be booed. Um, but people just have such short memories. And he's honestly, he has done the, pro- like he came in and said, I'm going to be like the Steve Nash, um, like what Steve Nash was to me when I was in Phoenix. Yes. And I'm like, that's it. Name Canadians, just name drop Canadians. <laughs> and um, and you're going to be good. And he like, oh, and not touching number seven, the fact, obviously that was never going to be a thing, but the fact that that wasn't even a conversation and it was just like, I'm going to wear number one. I never even thought to ask for it. It's just like, yep, you're saying all the right things. Um, so so I do think that that media training has, has kicked in and uh, I think fans will will take, will take Tim very quickly. He, he is fantastic with media. I've said this before on the show many, many times. He's won like the you know, the heat media award many, many times because he's just always available and, and very open to discussing pretty much anything. I, I don't, I can't recall now because again, I wasn't as uh, strongly invested in it as Raptors fans are, but his comments were they said in Slovenian and perhaps they were just mistranslated or was there, or is there context there that is lost in, in some of the translation or anything like that? Or was he just saying, you know, Toronto sucks. I don't want to be there. I think, it, it was said in Slovenian, so there was, I'm sure, some sort of mistranslation, but I do think the gist of it, and it's like the, he wants to contend for a championship, and he wants to be on a team that's contending, and it's very clear that the Raptors moving away from their 35-year-olds last year, moving away from their other 30-plus guys, like yeah. it, it seems like every single year they keep doing this, it's very right. clear that the Raptors are moving in another direction. So just looking at it at face value, there's nothing really offensive in what he said, but of course... Sensitive Raptors fans, yeah. There's a lot that's offensive in what he said. (laughs) Well, I mean, are are you, 
do you think Raptors fans are more sensitive than the average fan? Or is it just, you know, I, I know there is there's a lot of talk about, oh, Raptors, the Raptors team gets overlooked. They're never really part of the conversation. They're never on national TV, et cetera. Is, is there any kind of oversensitivity from Raptors fans? Maybe you're not, uh, maybe yeah. you're not able to offer that perspective. No, no, I, I definitely think there is. Until okay. I'm going to be honest, I had all my reasons for why I thought it was, but then I was introduced to Heat Twitter and we're kind of one in the same. It's a very sensitive bunch as well. Um, so, so I think there are a lot of similarities there, but I think for the Raptors, definitely sensitive one, just being the only Canadian team. Right. Um, and yes, it, they're, ESPN gets no, we don't get it. Yes, can in Canada. Right. So if they talk about us, it's no eyes on like they're they're not, there's no viewership, there's no eyes in it. So nationally televised games, obviously not as many for the Raptors because once again, our numbers do not count towards the American audience. Um, and so at the same time, Toronto was just a massive market. Like this is what the third largest city in the NBA behind New York and Los Angeles who each have a couple of teams to split amongst them this is the largest fan base just in terms of like the city alone not even talking about the rest of Canada um and also in Canada TV and and radio don't also focus on the Raptors so not only do we not get American media not focusing on the Raptors but it's also Canadian media because Canadian media are the old guys who haven't quite learned that in the 90s the Raptors became a thing and kids that were born in the 90s have gravitated towards basketball and Vince Carter as opposed to whatever was happening in hockey so because the older guards have yet to lack like to latch on to the idea that, hey, the Raptors are actually, and they started to, I would say, since the championship, but it did take a long time for them to get to that point. Raptor fans just found the only content online, and they really came up with this idea that the whole world is out to get us and no one respects us, and so it became a very guarded and very sensitive fan base for that reason. Wow, that's, I have never even considered that, like, I didn't, know how widely they were overlooked even in Canada. That's where We the North came. That's where We the North came from. It was a whole like slogan that came out of this commercial about how basically we're just the 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 middle child or the black sheep of the family or whatever. Yeah. That's just been overlooked by both Canada and the States. Yeah. Yeah. I could see why you would develop a little bit of a chip on your shoulders. I mean I think Miami fans certainly got that in 2010 by by kind of forced onto them because you know the big three was so widely hated uh and everybody despised the way they were formed and as fans they kind of all leaned into it and said oh well if you know if you're gonna hate us anyway we might as well mm-hmm. become the villains and the team kind of adopted that same personality too so i could see exactly how those respective chips developed there so thank you for clarifying that and explaining that i, I did want to ask you about your expectations for the Raptors. I was actually asked to write a Raptors season preview, and I probably should have talked to more Raptors people about their perspective. But what is what is your feeling on this Raptors team? Because I know they're kind of somewhere yeah. in between in terms of developing young players, still have their veterans. I am a huge Ananobi fan. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. I actually think he could be a borderline all-star selection this year, depending on how well he plays alongside Pascal. I know he's going to be out for the start of the season, but what is your expectation for the Raptors team? Um, 82 and 0. I'm huh. 98 and 0. Is that what we're oh. saying? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, same, same as Heat fans then for Miami. Yeah. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, I, I think that you hit on a lot of different things there. I, I would pencil ODN and OBN as most improved player. I really think, like, I just made the comparison earlier today, and I, I don't think it's at all the same. But when Danny Granger got 
was hurt and we saw the emergence of Paul George because he got a lot of touches. Like once again, not saying it's the same scenario, but I do see like OG Ananobi kind of emerging and, and developing a name for himself. I think most improved players could be in the cards. So like is OG going to go leave to play with Kawhi too? No, no, none of those things are going to happen. Danny Green, <laughs> Pascal Siakam is not going to be traded. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't click off of this link right away when I said that. I mean, I know, not I know happening. he's beloved there. I know he's beloved there. <laughs> yeah. uh, none of that's going to be happening. We're not trading away Pascal Siakam for Nevin Turner either. Like none of the rest of the <laughs> scenario is going to happen. But um. Uh, I think that OG Ananobi is going to, but, but Pascal Siakam apparently is like kind of ahead of schedule in terms of, in terms of his rehab. So I think he's going to be back. Yeah. I think he'll be back actually fairly soon. Um, so honestly, I think that they're probably going to be like on the high end, like a 43 win team and on the low end, like a 38 win team, I think somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that they're going to be really good. And one of the things that Nick nurse always kind of, it, it, one of the things about Nick Nurse and a Nick Nurse team is that they're going to be really good defensively. And if you look at the Raptors, they're just limbs everywhere. Yep. It's going to be a problem when going up against a team like Joel Embiid that has a strong inside because the Raptors don't have a strong inside presence. So they're yeah. just going to get bullied time and time again. Mm -hmm. But there are very few teams like that that the Raptors are going to have to worry about. Um, so I kind of see them, honestly, like... I see them in that six to like nine range in the Eastern Conference, which I think a lot of people are very surprised by. But secretly, I'm hoping that the Raptors are a six seed and the Heat are a three seed. So we get to see that as a first round matchup. Oh, wow. But that, that is my dream scenario. And yeah. I'm probably higher on the Raptors than most people are. But this team was really good without Kyle Lowry as well. Yeah. <laughs> like Their yeah. numbers have shown that. Um, um, and last season was just a throwaway season. It, like, I'm not going to take anything away from last year. Yep. Um, with COVID, with being in Tampa, all that stuff was just an absolute mess. And I think COVID affected the Raptors more than any other team. Yeah. Um, so just looking at the season before, that was the second best record in the league yep. and continued at that pace, regardless of if Kyle Lowry played or not. And I do think a large part of that is Marcus Um, oh. But they're just because Marcus was kind of and I like was looking at the roster and just kind of planning this out for myself and I was like if they had Kyle Lowry and Marcus Soule this would be a legit good team and I'm like those are the two guys they're missing right now yeah. um but honestly I think they're going to be really good defensively I think they're going to get out and transition and run quite a bit um and their half court offense is going to be abysmal it's going to be a bit of a mess um I don't see them being a team that like wins a lot of really close games. So probably looking towards the, the bottom of that, like 38 to 39 wins, but I, I kind of just imagine they're still going to be a 500 team, which is why I kind of put them around that 43 win mark. Um, uh, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm glad to hear a lot of that kind of confirming what I had written because, you know, obviously, you know, the team infinitely better than I do, but you hit a lot of great points there. It's a, it's a really interesting blend of talent there. Who, who does project, as a team starting center, I mean, is it, it's not going to be OG. I think it'll be Ken Birch. I think it'll be oh, Ken Oh, right. Sorry, we're Kim. See, yeah, sorry. I yeah, we're going to see a lot of OG at the five, though. I think the Raptors are going to play OG at the five quite a bit. We saw yeah. that even guarding Nikola Jokic last year, which was my favorite OG Ananobi game. Um, so we're still going to see a lot of OG at the five. He's just incredibly strong um, and can handle it on most nights. But I think it'll be Kem as a starting five. And I'm... Honestly, I think that they're going to fare to be a pretty good team. I think people are going to be surprised with how good they actually are. Former Heat legend Ken Birch, by the way. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's a former Heat player, right? So I mean, he's 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 taking some of that South Beach culture with him too. So I mean, I'm I'm glad you can finally. We maximize. can't lose with with three former Heat culture guys on our team. Exactly. 
thank you so much. I'm glad that you finally have come around to see the light here. But uh, no, I, I do appreciate you taking the time here. I wanted to talk a little bit about your your asterisk talk, but I guess we'll save that for a future podcast because I don't think we really have time. But I'm glad you get, were able to get into the the nitty gritty a little bit about what makes Miami uh, an interesting team, what makes Toronto an interesting team, why I think a lot of the the Twitter war between the Raptors and Heat fans have been a little is a little overblown. I can certainly appreciate I'll say it's a lot of spider-man memes it's a lot of we're just very much the same (laughs) yeah 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 two very sensitive fans I I can understand it completely um please tell my listeners where they can follow you and find your great work uh you can follow me on twitter at underscore nope name and check out dishes and dimes we're going to be back for our third season and that should be really exciting yeah it's a great podcast absolutely brings a lot of voices that need to be amplified and I am very glad to have found out about it i'm glad that i've talked to katie a number of times about her yeah she's she's fantastic a fantastic writer but uh, you also are a fantastic new voice in media to some extent i don't know i mean new i guess newish but uh but thank you yeah thank you for taking the time to come on the show and uh, hopefully we can talk sometime soon thank you for having me special thanks goes out to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show and thanks to all of you for taking the time to make locked on heat your first listen of the day i'm david ramil signing off for now